Um, it's in Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. He actually said this uh, same thing with a little bit added to it in Matthew chapter 12. I think it's maybe 30 or 31, somewhere in there. But it, it says this, that the Pharisees and Sadducees came and to test Jesus, and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven, and he answered them, when it is evening, you say, it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it'll be, a stor it'll be stormy, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. It was Solomon that wrote in Ecclesiastes that there, for everything there is a season. There's a time for every matter under heaven. He said there's a time to be born and a time to die. Can you hear the song? I know some of you are baby boomers. Right? There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is plant, planted. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to break down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, time for war, and time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I want to begin this sermon with my deeply held biblical belief that there is a season for everything under heaven. We see it in Scripture. That's what Solomon says. In everything there is a season. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. And in every situation, it is my deeply held belief that Jesus wants us to discern the times and the days that we specifically live in. And so this is my premise as I begin January 2020. Our Lord and our Savior wants us, each of us, to discern the days in which we live. To know how to rightly apply Scripture, the prophecies of the Old Testament writers, as well as the prophecies of the New Testament ones, and to apply the Bible to our own age, to our own situations, to our own tragedies, to our own even national attacks and to the assaults that we see upon the church and to the time, whether political, whether uh, spiritual, physical, to the schemes of the enemy even, the devil. Jesus wants us to know the time in which we live. Do you believe that? If we know what time it is, then we can more appropriately and correctly respond to those who are seeking answers in our day and age and to those who are against us, for that matter. To everything there is a season and in every time there is a purpose under heaven for that time. 
And the Lord wants us to know what season we're in. He rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees because he said, you guys can interpret the weather, but you can't interpret the very Son of God, the Messiah, standing in front of you has come and you can't see it. Meteorology is the science of interpreting the weather. And I, do you all like that? The app on your phone for the weather? Man, I love mine. We were going through Mississippi and I was telling Sarah, well, it's going to rain on this day and this is when it's going to come and it, it'll come about 2 o'clock on a Sunday and we'll, we'll get there and we'll get there just in time and we'll go through the petrified forest. Yes, I took my family to a petrified forest. Yeah, the girls were real ecstatic. Dad, what are we doing? Um, but it rained shortly thereafter. We left and went through it and we came back to the hotel and there, here comes the rain. We can interpret the meteorology of the day. We can know through our phones and through the barometric pressure and through all of the science of meteorology, we can tell when it's going to rain. But many of us spiritually are blind to what's going on in our own country, in our own families, in our own uh, spiritual, in our own lives. Biblical prophecy and its correct interpretation is, the sci is a, sor a sort of science as well. It's, to do so, one must know, first of all, what the Bible says and then be able to correctly interpret their own age and what biblical prophecies speak to their own generation. And many of us have heard of, of different you know, churches where they're on the charismatic spectrum or not they'll bring somebody down front and they'll prophesy over them. And many of us are leery of that sort of thing, as am I at times, because sometimes I think people prophesy oh, a bunch of gobbledygook because they don't know the scriptures and they maybe don't even know the person. I believe to rightly interpret our own age, we must know what the Bible has to say about it. Jesus Christ's rebuke was that the Pharisees were better meteorologists than they were biblical prophetic interpreters. They knew how to predict the weather, but they couldn't see the Messiah was standing right in front of them. I wish that our own age was different. And I'm afraid that many today are very knowledgeable about the weather, and even some know biblical texts. But I wonder how many of us, of us as Christians know how to apply biblical truth to our lives and biblical prophecy to our own lifetime. I... Uh, I love to check the weather, as I said earlier. And we have so much knowledge at our fingertips today on our phones concerning the science of forecasting weather, or even I was loving the app the other night. Somebody showed me before Christmas this one where you can hold your phone up and see the constellations. Have you seen that one? It's beautiful. It's really neat. And I realize that it is possible to know all of this and yet not understand that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night and many will be caught off guard. Some people, the Bible declares, will be ready for Christ's return and some people will not be. And some people, and we can learn how to interpret the times because Jesus wants us to. Did you hear me? We can learn how to interpret the times in which we live because Jesus wants us to. That was his rebuke of the Pharisees. He said, you know all of these things, but you can't even tell me what time it is. 
It's the time in which Jesus has come to you and you don't even realize it. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 verse 40, he explains what is meant by what he said. He said um, the only thing that's going to be given to you if you want a sign, he says is the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so too the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth. In other words, Jesus was saying that he was going to die on the cross. He was going to be buried in the earth for three days. And at the end of that time, he would arise from the dead, resurrect. That's what we celebrate here in a few months, maybe April or so. His indictment against them was prophetic. And he used biblical, the biblical prophet Jonah to indict them. He said the people of Nineveh Repented. You know who Nineveh was, don't you? They were Assyrians. They were Gentiles. He said, at the end of the age, the men of Nineveh will rise up and rebuke you for not believing in me. Because they heard the word of God and repented, and you will not repent. Jesus understood the times in which he lived. He referred to them in context with Jonah. The story of Jonah is the story of Gentiles being offered the opportunity to repent. By the way, uh, for many of us, we believe that is what's going on right now all over from Paul, from A.D. 48, till all the way now, till 2020. What is going on is the opportunity for Gentiles to repent and believe. And I believe Jews as well. The story of Jonah is this opportunity to repent but Jonah was unwilling to go at first if you remember the story but it ends well with the repentance of the Ninevites but there was something else Jesus said about the days of his second coming maybe you will remember he oftentimes would refer to his second coming as the days of Noah how many of you remember that he said that in the days of Noah uh, people would be eating and drinking and and uh living their lives, giving in marriage, marrying. They would be doing all the things that they do today. And yet the days of Noah picture a catastrophic event, a global event. The days of Noah was a flood. If you remember the story, the fountains of the deep broke forth. The atmosphere itself was split open and water came and flooded the whole earth and eight people, and a lot of animals, but eight people survived the global flood that we believe was the days of Noah. Eight people, catastrophic. This story Jesus used to prophesy about his return, he does so to imply that once again, the judgment of God for many people will catch them off guard and it will be a catastrophic event. Now we know that the story of Noah also tells us that there was a rainbow and it was God's promise to never flood the earth again, but there's more than one way to destroy the earth, is there not? I, I love watching all the NASA stuff that comes up on my Facebook page and they're like, this month, the asteroid will graze right past Earth, right? And they, tell, they, can, they can measure the distance between Earth 
and the asteroid that will pass by. And they recently had one they said was as big as Big Ben. So if you imagine the clock in London, and they're all different sizes, there's more than one way to judge the earth. It won't be through water. God's promised that. But Jesus has said that as the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. People will be caught off guard. They will be living their lives just as they've always lived their lives. They will be eating and drinking and marrying and working and they won't know what time it is. And the clock of God will strike midnight. No, we, I just say that in a metaphor because we don't know what time it will be, do we? It says as the days, it'll be like a thief in the night. No one knows the times. Even the Son of Man doesn't know the times. He says, but I will wait for God to tell me when to go. I've been considering the headlines. I, too, was in church last week. Sarah and I visited a little church outside of Jackson, Mississippi, in a community called Ridgeland, and we were visitors there, and I wore jeans and a T-shirt, and I just sat in the back and soaked it in. It was so much fun. pastor needs to do that every now and then. And, uh, but I thought about that little church when you got the message on your phones and news that during communion, somebody walked in and shot a couple people and the man reacted so quickly. We saw that on the news, the live feed. I watched the live feed of that happening in that little church. And, and you hear the people talk and they talk about evil coming in to the church. And can you imagine the evil that would come in to a church and shoot people who are worshiping God just because someone didn't give them some cash. What, I mean, what was he looking for? $15, $20? They gave him food. And then we look at the schools. We have gun violence in the schools. And we look at the movie theaters. And we have people coming into nightclubs and movie theaters. Everywhere we look, it seems that the mentally ill, or whether or not it's just crazed or demon-filled, whatever your interpretation of it, everywhere we look, we see evil. We watch uh, people, pedophiles, kidnap children and sexually traffic young women. We see the evil of uh, our own age. And my wife used to work in retail at Academy and at Target. And you know how many items get stolen every day by Citizens that don't have never been caught, never don't even have a, necessarily have a criminal background, and yet they feel the need to go take something that's not theirs in retail. They do it all the time. People will take it right off your front porch if you have an Amazon box or something, right? We live in the day and age in which people are living and, and giving themselves in marriage and sometimes not doing that. Brothers and sisters, we live in an evil, dark age in which people feel as if they can do whatever they want without any repercussions or judgment. This is the day and age in which we live, in which no man will tell me how to live, and every man does what is right in their own eyes. Consider the age in which you live. The church in America has been backed into an to a corner many times. She has shrunk from her responsibilities. She is losing members right and left. 
the overall attitude of our country is, is to plunge deeper into our own known rebellions and sins and to live contrary to the Word of God and to cast off His laws and His restraints and call evil good and good evil. Those who are decent are told that they are full of hatred, that they speak evil of others by standing up for any type of morality. Do you know what time it is in America today? What season are we living in? Consider your days. Are they numbered? Some of us, the older we get, we realize, man, my days are numbered. I have a very short window of opportunity left. What are we doing with our window of opportunity this morning? What time is it? I, uh, I was traveling through Vicksburg for the first day we went on vacation and we went down those battle lines of the Confederate soldiers and we went down the battle lines of the Union soldiers and then I, we went outside of Vicksburg the next day and we drove down uh, down to Natchez, Port Gibson and Natchez and we saw the mounds of the Indian burial grounds and I thought of all of those people, Indians, soldiers, human beings, each of them having their own political, ideological and spiritual beliefs and yet they are gone. They had a window of opportunity to cast their lives upon the living Savior Jesus Christ and it's gone. We are living in a war zone, church. We are. When you start talking about concealed carry and that we have to bring guns to church now to be safe, we're living in a battlefield, are we not? Schools are in a battlefield. We're worshiping God among demons. That's what happened. Satan himself has the nerve to march into the Holy of Holies while the congregation is having communion. What does that mean? It means that we are living in the last days and that we must look deeply into our own hearts and ask ourselves, are we ready to meet Jesus? Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11 says, what time is it? What season are we in? But I, I want to point out something else it says because I think it's important. I'm not trying to en enlist fear into your heart because this is the hope that we have and I want you to see it right here in verses 9. Uh, what gain, he says, has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. In verse 11, he says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Um, I know that as I talk about this, many of us get scared. Mothers are raising children. Grandfathers are watching their grandchildren being raised among such wickedness and violence. But I want you to know something of the hope that God has given us, in every generation, God has put eternity into men's hearts. I, uh, I love that missionary story, uh, Peace Child, I don't know if you've ever read it, uh, by Don Richardson. But he talks about this verse in that book, and he says that he was ministering among these Indians, uh, 
in the very southern part, I think of uh, either, either Ecuador or Chile, somewhere down there, very, uh, very rainforest area. And their belief system was so that they really exalted anybody who could trick someone else and really exalted betrayal and treachery. And so how he found this out was he told the story of Judas betraying Jesus Christ. He assumed that they would make sure that Jesus was the hero, that they would naturally respond with Jesus being the hero of the story. But do you know who was the hero to them? Judas. Because they believed in their belief system. They believed that the best one is the one who can act like a friend and then betray the other person. He was daunted. He said, how do I get... How do I get Jesus and the gospel into people that don't even understand who's supposed to be the hero of the story? How do I do that? And then he found out something about their tribe. In their tribe, every so often, they would have a child exchange. These two warring tribes would fight. And the way in which peace would be offered is the son of the chief who was born to him would go and live in the village of the enemies. And as long as that son lived, peace reigned between the two enemy villages. It was called the peace child. And so he began to see that eternity had been put into the heart of this culture long ago. And he began to be, proclaim Jesus as the peace child. And that as long as Jesus Christ was alive, there could be peace between God and man. And you know the story. Jesus Christ came to this earth, died a sinner's death for you and me, and then was raised to life on the third day. He is living at the right hand right now at the Father, seated there by the Father. He's alive. And as long as Jesus is alive, you can have peace with God if you will believe on Him and cast your life upon Him, repent of your sins. God has put eternity into each and every human heart, but oftentimes they do not see it. God remains a mystery to many people. And we know many people in our own lives like that, don't we? People that are walking around really blind to spiritual things because they do not see how much God has blessed them. They do not see how much God loves them. They are blind to the meanings of the scriptures, dead spiritually so they don't understand God's voice and calling upon their life. Ecclesiastes tells us that God has put eternity in their hearts. That means no matter how we try to deny it, how many, how many times we try to refuse it, to rebel against God and His Word, God can corner us somewhere. He can find us in the dark corners where we're trying to hide, in the recesses of our own minds, and He can speak to us and call us and save us and forgive us. My child, I know there is a lot of evil in this world. That's what I have to sit down and tell my own children. I know that things that are happening today in our nation maybe is evil at an unprecedented level. We cannot imagine. I, Sarah was reading me this story yesterday, or we were listening to it, 
of this guy that kidnapped Amanda Berry. And I don't know if you've heard this story. I, I can't remember that last guy's name. Is it Acosta or something like that? Castro? Yeah, it, it's a horrible story of what he did to those ladies and how many years he did it. We are living in a time of darkness, a time of great evil, but God has yet given hope. He has put eternity into men and women's hearts, and there is still grace and forgiveness. There's still hope. I, uh, I love a video that I watched this week. Um, a young lady who, at the age of about 15 years old, uh, gave her, her life over to uh, a lesbian lifestyle. She had said this is the way she was born and the way she felt and the way she acted. And so she began to have multiple relationships. She became serial, uh, serial relationships in her sexuality was always uh, for the same sex. And she went to a Bible study at a church. Somebody invited her. She was dating another lady with two young kids and someone invited her to the Bible study. And she said, I went. And the reason I went, she said, was because I, I knew what they were going to say and I was just going to be able to walk out right there because they would, she would, they would reject me and it'd be fine. And then I could say, "Look, I even tried God." Right? She said she had twisted the scriptures so long, but they didn't do that at the Bible study. They talked about being lost, and they talked about being saved, and they talked about their relationships and their experience with Jesus and meeting Him. And she said she went back home and she thought to herself, I've never experienced that. I've never had that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. I've, I've never had the experience of having my sins forgiven. She said, I don't understand what's going on. I need that. I want that experience of having my sins forgiven is what she said to herself. And she came across that verse. I think it was Paul that wrote, and such were some of you. And Paul lists, he says in the list, he said some of you were drunkards, some of you were murderers, some of you were revilers, some of you were homosexuals. And such were some of you, he says, but you were washed, you were saved, you were justified, you were sanctified. And she knelt down right there and she said, Lord, I want to be washed. I want to be saved. I want to be sanctified. You know what God did? He forgave her. She repented of her lifestyle and of her choice. And what she said in that thing, she said, God's not trying to get you to go from gay to straight. He's trying to get you to go from lost to saved. Do you believe that? You see, what, what would it matter if we got someone to go from gay to straight if they were lost? They'd go to hell still, right? Brothers and sisters, what we're doing in the church is we're trying to get people to go from being lost to saved, to be spiritually dead, to be spiritually alive. And all of us are born into sin. Some of us may have inappropriate desires, but all of us have been born into sin. And all of us have inappropriate desires from time to time. 
that is why we know we need to be born again. Brothers and sisters, we preach a gospel that teaches everyone's born into sin. So when the gay or the straight says, well, I was born this way, say, absolutely, I was too. I was born into sin. But thanks be to God, and such were some of you, for you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified, you were saved. What time period do we live in? Brothers and sisters, we live in a time period of great evil and great darkness, but God has put eternity into human hearts. And He still saves people through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? I believe it with all my heart that God wants to use Forest Avenue Baptist Church this year in 2020 to see many lives changed and saved in our community. And we're going to preach Jesus. And we're going to talk about Jesus and His love for us and the hope that we have in Him. We're going to reach our neighbors and our friends and our family. We're going to reach the community around your house and around this house. Whatever house we're in, we're going to try to reach them. I want you to be a part of that, of telling others how much Jesus loves them. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we come into this place today